0: Hello and welcome to the History of Religion podcast. I am J.A. Graham and this is episode 4 of the History of Christianity series titled Historical Jesus. Thus far we have covered three main contextual areas of the life of Christ and the early church in the first century A.D. Today we will take a closer look at the life of Christ and what is called the historical life of Christ. This is different from the traditional life of Christ found in the New Testament. There is the traditional Christian understanding of Christ based on the New Testament that is called the Christ of Faith, which is concerned with the theological ideas of Christ as God. The historical Jesus is based on what is called higher biblical criticism, which emerged in the 17th century. Higher criticism attempts to free itself from the tradition of Christianity and find the historical accounts based on source, form, tradition and other criticisms. When it comes to Christ, higher criticism seeks to reconstruct the life of Christ based on what can be supported historically. The debate between the higher critics and traditional Christians is fierce, and the truth is probably somewhere in between both opinions, as it often is. For our purposes, we will try to lean more toward the higher biblical critic side, simply because the life of Christ can be easily accessed by reading the Gospels. So if one wants to know the traditional story of Christ, then that is available to them. But I did not want to just read the Gospels for the episode, so this is more of a supplemental work on the reading of the Gospels. When constructing the life of Christ, we need sources. We have discussed the Gospels as sources, and how scholars doubt much of their historicity. There are no direct references to Christ that survive from his life. All of the direct evidence for him personally comes after his life. However, there are key archaeological finds that support the story of Christ. Though they do not mention him specifically, John Crossan and Jonathan Reed provided the top ten archaeological discoveries for the time of Christ to support the story found in the Gospels. Number one, the ossuary of James, the brother of Christ. Number two, the ossuary of the high priest Joseph Caiaphas Number three, the inscription of the prefect Pontius Pilate. Number four, the skeleton of the crucified Yehokhanan. Which confirms the method of Christ's crucifixion. Number five, Lake Tiberius, Peter's house and Galilee boat. Number six, Caesarea and Jerusalem, the cities of Herod the Great. Number seven, Sepphoris and Tiberias, cities of Herod and Typhus. Number eight, Masada and Qumran, monuments of Jewish resistance. Number nine, Gamla and Jadaphet, first-century Jewish villages in Galilee. Number 10, stone vessels and stepped pools that reveal insights to the Jewish religion. All of those have a cumulative effect that give real credence to the story of Christ as a whole even though none of them speak of Christ directly. Outside sources such as Josephus in his Antiquities of the Jews was written around 90s AD and speak of Christ, even if the original text was later adjusted by Christians. Mara Bar Sarapion was a philosopher who spoke of Christ as the wise king from 70 to 80 AD. A historian who wrote in the 2nd century AD named Tacitus has a reference to the crucifixion of Christ, which is pretty reliable. Yet both of these are decades after the death of Christ, so there. there. There is strong evidence for the existence of Christ, just not direct evidence. The Gospels are really the only direct evidence of Christ, and they are questioned by scholars as there are more than 250,000 variants found in the only 150,000 extant documents of the New Testament. So there is much disparity in the Gospels, and scholars like Bart Ehrman point to this as reason to be skeptical of them. Those on the other side are scholars such as James White who argue that multiple lines of transmission are positive and support the reliability. He argues that it is not like the telephone game where there is only one line of transmission, because then the disparity would be alarming. Rather, there were multiple lines of transmission in the large amount of documents allow for comparison and to reliably find the original text without the original text in document form. This type of skepticism in the 18th century from the Enlightenment led scholars to develop what is called higher biblical criticism in what is now called historical Jesus. There are three main trends of the historical Jesus that are called quests. The first quest determined that Jesus existed, but the deity of Christ was constructed by Christians later through the centuries trying to work Old Testament theology into the life of Christ. The second quest began in the 1950's and focused on creating criteria for the life of Jesus that could help find the kernel of truth in the story of the Gospel. So not only did Jesus exist, but now there are actual stories in the Gospels that have root in actual events, yet those events have been embellished over the centuries. Also the early Christians actually believed that Jesus was God or else they wouldn't have bought into the movement as much as they did. The final quest started in the 1970s and was influenced by postmodernism, calling into question basically everything. This eventually fell out of fashion, and the current climate of studies is that we can actually know a decent amount about Christ, but it is lensed through the early Christians and their biases. The kernels of truth about the life of Christ which can be agreed upon by most scholars is firstly that Jesus did exist. This may seem trivial, but in studying the history of religions, it is very difficult for many to establish just the existence of their founder. Islam is a prime example of this. Thus, Jesus was born probably from 6 to 4 BC. The next largely accepted fact is that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. John the Baptist is mentioned by Josephus and John's death, and John's death is at the time of Herod Antipasus' marriage to Herodias around 27 to 31 AD. So, Jesus' ministry started when he was around 30 years of age in the late 20s AD. The Gospels do not provide much information on the thirtieth years between his birth and the start of his ministry, this will become an area of interest for the early church. Christ was said to have been preceded by John the Baptist to fulfill prophecy. Jesus's baptism is considered to be authentic, and the start of Jesus's ministry. Then, it is likely that Jesus did call disciples and create a following in Judea, even if the names of the disciples are not exactly known. Jesus was definitely in the Galilee and Judean area. He probably never traveled more than forty miles from his home. Jesus spoke. Aramaic and possibly Greek because of the Greco-Roman culture that he lived in. He probably knew some Hebrew as well. The final part of Jesus' life that scholars can mostly agree on is that Jesus was crucified. This probably happened from 30 to 36 AD and was in response to upsetting the Jewish power structure in Jerusalem. Jesus caused some sort of riot or controversy at the temple which led to the Jews seeking to have him killed, which they did under Pontius Pilate. As one could imagine, there are many views on Jesus' life and in terms interpretation of it. Some are pretty interesting and have had large impacts on the world. Some believe that Jesus was a really great magician and just added the God thing to it. Leo Tolstoy believed that Jesus was a political figure who was an anarchist to be looked up to. Some modern psychologists believe that Jesus was mentally unstable in some way. Muslims hold that he was a true prophet who the disciples changed and molded into their new religion, tainting the original message that Jesus preached. Jesus is, however, often understood as a Jewish Messiah, which was common at the time. There were many sects of Judaism seeking a Messiah to save them both politically and spiritually. The disciples themselves seemed to have originally understood Jesus as a political figure who would save them from the Romans. But Jesus did not claim to be a political messiah. The disciples did not understand that part until after his death according to the Gospels. Some see him as primarily a social change advocate who focused on overturning the social norms and traditions of the day. Others view him as a rabbi, a charismatic leader, a healer, a philosopher like Socrates, and finally, a prophet of the end times, which fits well into his context. Whatever scholars may speculate about Jesus. The followers of him believed that he was God. This had major ramifications for the early church and how the new religion would spread. The death of Christ sparked the Christian religion. Here again, many argue that Jesus was not resurrected. Some argue that the body was stolen, the disciples were on psychedelics and hallucinated that Christ had risen, that the disciples simply lied about the whole thing, that Jesus was somehow able to fool everyone and fake his own death, and many other theories exist. Yet, The first Christians truly believed that he had been resurrected, and they died for that belief. That really does say something about the life of Christ. Whatever speculation may be applied to it, it had an impact that changed everything for humanity, and that is no exaggeration. Christ lived in what is considered the post-axial age. The axial age was from 700 to 300-ish BC and is the idea that religion transitioned from pre-axial, which was concerned with explaining the current situation of humans, such as why there was a fire last week and not this week, to post-axial, which is concerned with more ethics and transcendental issues. The Axial Age is when the most influential thinkers appeared and helped transition human thought to post-axial. Carl Jaspers, who helped coin the idea, notes some of the examples from the Axial Age. End quote. Confucius and Laozi were living in China. All the schools of Chinese philosophy came into being, including those of Malti, Yile, Yilei, Tzu, and a host of others. India produced The Upanishads and Buddha, and like China, ran the whole gamut of philosophical possibilities down to materialism, skepticism, and nihilism. In Iran, Zarathustra taught a challenging view of the world as a struggle between good and evil. In Palestine, the prophets made their appearance from Elijah by way of Isaiah and Jeremiah to Deutero-Isaiah. Greece witnessed the appearance of Homer, of the philosophers, Parmenides, Heraclitus, and Plato, of the tragedians of Thucydides and Archimedes. Everything implied by these names developed during these few centuries almost simultaneously in China, India, and the West. Unquote. Jesus was part of the post-axial movement and he focused on the end times and ethical dilemmas. He worked on transcending the human experience. Jesus led a life that formed his disciples to go out and change the world. His legacy speaks for itself, whatever he did and whoever he was. So next time we will look at the lives of those disciples and how they spread their new faith throughout the ancient world. So join me then here on the History of Religion podcast.